morning we're uh, going to be looking in Matthew chapter 5, and I won't be projecting it, so if you want to you have your Bible in front of you, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 27. There is probably no, uh, no place where what Christ calls us to is more out of step with the culture that we are walking in, that we are living in than when it comes to our sexuality. Of course, this is the Sunday morning where we don't have children's worship. So I'm going to, of course, talk about sexuality. (laughs) Welcome, kiddos. Uh, But uh, don't worry, it's not going to be too graphic. But uh, I want to start by looking at our culture just a little bit and something that happened in our culture this week that has an awful lot of our culture kind of all of a dither. if, if you watch the news, you know about this. Now, if you don't watch the news, good for you. That's amazing. Uh, because it is the, the news narratives, and I don't care which of the major news networks you turn on, any of those 24-hour stations are casting a narrative into your life that is not the gospel. It's cast, casting an American system into us. And, and it's the broken American system rather than the stuff in America that's good. And it's throwing it deep into us. But if you watch the news, you may know that something happened in the Supreme Court last week. Did you hear about this? A swing voter, uh, meaning a guy who likes to play on playgrounds, I guess, while he's voting. I'm not much of a political hound myself, but a swing vote. That was funny in my head. When it came out, it, it didn't come out funny. But anyway, the, he, uh, Justice Kennedy retired for the Supreme Court. And if you watch either of the news channels, this is either one of the best things that has ever happened since America started, or one of the absolute worst things that has ever happened since America started. Have you noticed this? America is in a serious state of, of anxiety and angst over what's just happened. Because, of course, President Trump, who is either Jesus or the devil, depending on where you're watching, is going to get to to decide who the next Supreme Court justice is. And, oh, does that have America excited. Now, why am I talking about this when I'm supposed to be talking about lust? Well, the Supreme Court has come to be kind of a culture shaper for us. You know, when when America was founded, it wasn't. Did you know that? Do you know the history of the Supreme Court? It started out with five justices in like a basement. It was a very insignificant thing in the founding of this country. And it remained a very insignificant thing for a long time. It had some pretty big and some pretty dreadful decisions. Like Dred Scott. Do you know about the Dred Scott decision? And just what a nightmare that was where, you know, we basically said that certain people aren't actually people. I'm glad that got overturned. But the, the, the Supreme Court increased in importance over time and has, for about the last hundred years, been kind of the place where big culture-shaping things that can't get through a legislature happen. They're a place for shaping values, a place for shaping, and, and often kind of against the will, the broken will, of the country. So when we had institutional racism really built into our society, 
the, the legislature was kind of powerless to overcome that because we had so much racism in the people who were voting. You know? And so in order to defeat that, it had to find its way into the courts and ultimately to the Supreme Court. And so changing values like that, you know, the court has often played a, a, a profound role in shaping our society, changing it. That's why I bring it up. That's what law does. Law shapes a society and says this is what it means to be human. This is what it means to be a person. And this is why America is so upset to have the, the current president with his values selecting the next justice because he's going to select a justice that has those values. And is that good or bad? Well, it depends on where you are politically. You know, are you going to have someone put on the court who's going to be, in, to your mind, real oppressive? Or are you going to have somebody put on the court to whom your mind is going to fix everything? Eh, it's up in the air. To be honest with you, I care less and less as time goes on. When it comes to right and wrong, I don't look to my country. I haven't been doing that for a while. You know, and it certainly preceded 2016 and that whole political mess. But I, I don't look to my country to tell me what's right and true. I look to my God for that. The big reason that I bring up the court again is because so, so many of the laws that somehow the court, which is not a legislature, but somehow it's making law. And so many of those laws have to do with how we understand ourselves as sexual beings. What does it mean to be married? Well, in this country, that's undergone some significant shifts in the recent years because of rulings from the court. You ever hear of I can't pronounce that. Obergefeld something? that legalized same-sex marriage across our country. That, wasn't, that didn't go through a legislature, which is where law is supposed to come from. It came from the courts. Or you might have heard of a law called Roe v. Wade. You may have heard of that. That law has to do with how the nation approaches its reproductive capacities. And are you allowed to end the reproductive process before a human being is breathing air? You know, what... Where does that fit? You see that the, the court and the laws are shaping how America understands marriage and sex. So much of it has, and that's why people are really upset. Because if the court goes a certain way, then persons who have you know, sexual understandings that differ from ours might end up oppressed and mistreated. Well, now, listen, folks, as Christians, we ought to be dedicated to the idea that every human person is worthy of love and respect. Whether their lifestyle can, lines up with the lifestyle that we believe God has set in front of them or not, every person deserves to be loved. Every person. And so whatever the court does, your job is to love everyone. Period. And so if the court makes same-sex marriage legal or if it makes it illegal, your mandate's unchanged. And if it makes abortion legal or illegal, you're supposed to love the abortionist. 
And you're supposed to love the woman who has an abortion. And you're supposed to love the people who protest abortions. Period. It doesn't matter what that world out there is doing. Your job in here is to love persons. But then on the same time, see, one of the things that our society is doing is it's saying, well, love means liberty, and liberty means I get to do whatever I want. We can't accept that. We can't accept what our culture has embraced because our culture says love is love, period. And all loves are equal. And everyone ought to love whoever they feel. And they ought to do whatever they want to do. And they ought to be authentically who they are. Well, that ignores as if there isn't an opinion out there of a creator and a designer who comes saying, this is what you need to do if you want to flourish and thrive you need to live like this. So here in, in this place, we listen to a king. Like the Supreme Court shapes the law and, and establishes a society and designs a world with values and beliefs and etc. about what it means to be human, we have a king who comes and takes the law of God and says this is what that means. And that shapes a society. And it builds a certain understanding of what it means to be human persons. And just like our American culture is saying, this is what it means to be person, Jesus comes to us today in this Scripture to say, this is what it means to be a person with sexuality. Because folks, few things drive us more than our sexual hungers and desires and our sexual understanding of who we are and what we are. What is that thing inside of us supposed to be for? That desire to be in a, in a romantically fulfilling relationship. A desire to have love. And also to have within that romantically fulfilling relationship something that is, that is physical and joyful and wonderful. What is it for? Well, our culture around us will tell us that it's for whatever you feel like it's for. Whatever floats your boat, satisfy yourself, it's private. It's none of our business. So you do whatever you do. And, and as long as you're not hurting anybody, that's kind of okay. And we're going to affirm your personhood in whatever expression you give to this thing. Now, Interestingly, the courts are involved in the thing that our culture says is radically private. And is saying, you have to agree with that radical private nature. Publicly. God comes to us through Jesus Christ to say, this is what it's for. And it's not for you to satisfy yourself. It's for you to glorify God. And you glorify God through love and commitment and covenant. That's what it's for. I've heard the argument that, well, Jesus never you know, talked at all about, like, say, same-sex relations. No, He didn't. He talked about uh, heterosexual relations in a presumptive way. So this is what's leading to human flourishing. So when he talks about sex, he always talks about a marriage between a man and a woman. He never does anything else. His assumption is that is what's holy 
and good. And He governs that relationship. Like I said at the very beginning of this, we'll never be more out of step with our culture than right there, will we? Do you feel it? Goodness knows I do. Because I feel the mandate to love and I feel my culture telling me release your value system. I have to love. I can't release the commandments of my Lord because I live in a different government than they do. I live governed by this King. I can't back away from what He has to say. So I have to let His will and His interpretation of law guide what I believe it means to be a human person. And so as He steps forward to talk about sexuality, He addresses our human brokenness. Trying to establish relationships in His kingdom that will lead to a particular kind of society. A society that is whole and beautiful, wonderful, and loving. Let's, let's have a look at what He has to say. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now, He's not going to argue with that. And if you want to live a whole life, that's an important reality. Anyone who has experienced the breaking of adultery doesn't experience rejection from the Lord who says don't do that. He'll still love and welcome you. But you, you have to acknowledge, it hurts, doesn't it? And adultery causes pain always. Why is that? Because it's outside of God's design. God built us to live in covenant relationship with each other. Just like the covenant exists within the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, perfectly always committed for one another. And as we are meant to bear the relationship of we're supposed to behave like, like people who bear the image of God, we're supposed to have that same sort of perfect constancy. But if that's broken down for you, that doesn't mean the Lord rejects you. It certainly does not. He can still glorify Himself within you. But here He's laying in front of us what's perfect and whole and good. And he starts with Moses without argument. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, and here he is going to say something different, whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What is he doing there? Is he arguing about pornography? Well, I mean, obviously, he's, he's destroying any any engagement with that. He's saying, no, my people shouldn't be doing that. But he's also clearly not talking about internet pornography. There was far less internet when he was around, right? In fact, there was far less photographs, far less imagery when he was around. So, I mean, there was erotic literature, yes, and there were erotic images, yes, but that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about here is the, the disposition of our heart when it comes to how we govern our sexuality. What is that thing for? When Jesus talks about lustful intent, looking on a woman with lustful intent, what He's talking about is, how do you see another person? And the question comes down to, do you see another person? Or not? Do you see a human? Or do you see something consumable? Like a steak? or lobster tail? Do you see something that you desire and would like to consume with this appetite the same way that you would like to consume good, rich food? Look, 
You never look at your meal unless you're really weird. When you sit down to eat a meal, say you go to Zaxby's, and you sit down to eat those fried pieces of chicken meat, you don't sit there going, wow, think about the life of this chicken. You know, it lived, you know, probably a couple of years, you know, and what did it experience in its lifetime? And what were its parents like, I wonder? I wonder what kind of relationship system this particular chicken was a part of. Was it a, did it get to wander around? Did it watch sunsets? Did it care? What poetry did this chicken write? What was it thinking at the moment of its, no, you're going, ooh, fried chicken, yummy. I love that nuclear sauce. You know, you're looking at it as a thing that you consume. What Jesus is doing here is He's saying, when God gave you the law, don't commit adultery. He was dealing with the fact that our sexuality becomes an appetite that converts human beings into Zaxby's. When they are meant to be human beings. Human beings bear the image of God. Every single one of them. God created all human beings with dignity and beauty. He'd created them with wonder and thoughts. And all of that matters. And anytime sexuality is engaged, you aren't interacting with something you consume. You're interacting with the person and you're exposing to them your personhood. You are becoming as close as human beings ever come. I mean, you're, you're going back all the way to creation when we were naked and unashamed. And you are sharing in, in a kind of connection that happens nowhere else. And Jesus is going to say, it belongs somewhere. Don't put it somewhere else, even in your heart. Don't do it. Because we, the, the approach that so many of us take is that I just want to restrain this thing. It's such a big, powerful force. If I can just hold it back and control it, then I'll be acceptable to God. And God, Jesus here is saying that law was never meant as a restraint. It was retraining. It was changing the nature of your sexual desire so that it comes into line with its purpose. And its purpose is the expression of covenant love. That's what it's for. So it belongs within a marriage and nowhere else. Nowhere else is this meant to be expressed. Because when it's expressed somewhere else where there isn't covenant love, then it isn't reforming and rebinding and remaking that covenant. It isn't building that covenant up and making it more and more about the commitment. It isn't accomplishing that goal. It's you feeding a hunger which pulls you away from that goal and makes you less what you're meant to be. So if all the women around you become objects that you look at and say, I wonder what it would be like with her. So you've already destroyed yourself inside. That's what our culture is doing to us. It's encouraging us to look at sex as if it's about you. It was never about you. It was always about shared relationship with the other person in a way that bears the image of God. That's what marriage is for. It's the place where we express God's nature by our covenant love with one another. That's what it's for. And when we make it selfish, that is entirely alien to the nature of God. Now how serious is Jesus about this? 
serious enough to recommend that it would be better to harm your body than your soul. Okay? Now, as I look around the room, I don't see any eyeless people. And I don't see any handless people. So clearly, we don't take Jesus very seriously when He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better for you to lose one of the members of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Once again, Jesus is being very offensive to us Americans because first of all, He's talking about hell. And you just you don't do that in America. And second of all, what is he? I mean, I look around us, and I have both hands. So do you. So I guess none of us have ever struggled with this. No, he's using hyperbole, right? I mean, we all kind of accept that Jesus isn't encouraging self-harm. He doesn't want us to actually, literally take this literally. He's being figurative. The danger with that is we end up saying, well, he's being figuratively, and he doesn't mean that, so he doesn't mean anything. Look, he means something. He means something very profound. He's helping us to understand just how risky and dangerous this impulse can be to our very souls. Because we can be, folks, so distorted, and our culture encourages all kinds of distortion. It really does. We can be broken by this stuff. And he says the breaking that you will experience will be so much worse than damage to your body. Take it that seriously. Your culture says it's no big deal. You ever hear the phrase, oh, it's just sex, it's not that important. It's always that important. Because sex is about love and it's about the generation of no more humans. It's about bearing the image of God in a relationship and it's about the generation of more images of God. You don't get more important than that. As he's going to say, if you, if you are hurting yourself with sex, you, you don't realize it, but it's, it's worse than if your body hurts. Not only that, but that distortion can put you in alienation from God. It can push you away from God. It can make you be at the point where you want to push Him away. You want to say, well, he doesn't get to tell me what my identity is. Well, he doesn't get to tell me what I get to do with my body. Yes, he does. He's God or he's not. If he's God, he's the maker of your body. You belong to him, body and soul. And he does get to tell you how to use that thing in all of its capacities. Now, if we listen to this, in what kind of society will we live? Look, sexual dysfunction and family breakdown is immensely painful. It is hugely painful across our society. Individuals who have experienced divorce will tell you that hurt like nothing else my life ever went through. And as a society, it is so common. And as a society, we are, there are so many of us who just reject marriage as a foundation at all. That's painful. The reorientation of marriage is going to bring pain that we have never seen. But what if we would listen to this? What kind of persons might we be? That is what the Lord is trying to do. He's trying to shape a society of persons who don't cause self-harm and don't cause harm to others. 
They don't use people up. People always remain people. And love always remains the most important thing. That's what God is doing here. And if we would live governing this private behavior, but live as social beings that have that kind of control over that, we will have control over all kinds of things. And we will be so much better at love if we will listen to the Lord our God. And not just love within the home, but love everywhere. Because this thing makes us selfish when we let it run. And selfishness in one place becomes selfishness across the board. And we end up broken and distorted and sad and embarrassed and ashamed. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. And the sad thing is, is so many people are all that mess, but they keep all the rules. You've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you something so much deeper, so much more. It's not just about keeping a rule. It's about what kind of heart you have and what kind of person you are. And Jesus calls to the fallen, broken sinner, which is me. And He calls to you. And He calls to us and says, become alive in this life-giving place. Learn to love here where it is very easy to be selfish. Focus on covenant and focus on the other person. And you will find yourself drawn into life all over the place. But cheapen this, you'd be better off one-handed and one-eyed. How are you doing with it? How are you doing in your marriage? How are you doing in your singleness? How are you doing, how are you doing with love? And hearing and obeying the call of the Christ. You look into what He said and you look at yourself and you go, man, I am a selfish mess. He's calling specifically to you and saying, there's grace for that. There's healing for that. There's forgiveness for that. But most importantly, there is redemption from that. You can be more than what you are if you live selfishly about your sexuality. You can be so much more beautiful and happy and content and whole because Christ always puts in front of us the best way of life that there is. If you look into yourself this morning, you say, man, I don't like that. But listen, if you only listen to the Word of God when you like it, are you really listening to the Word of God? If you only listen to the Word of God when it seems to make sense in your culture, is the Word of God ever correcting your culture? If you only listen when you want to, are you really listening? But if you hear it and you say, I don't like that, but I want to love God, listen. And if you need help, if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. And especially if it has something to do with this. So often we run and hide and, and won't share because it's embarrassing. Is dangerous. Not here. You are loved here. And we absolutely will pray for you. It may be that you came into this place and nothing I've said has made the slightest bit of contact with a place of pain in your heart. But that place of pain is very real. Hurts really bad. We want to pray about that. This church is a praying church and we want to care for you. And if you need the care of the church and the love of God, we want to provide what we have to give. And if you're not a Christian, there is no better way of life than following Christ Jesus our Lord. None. So if this morning you want to become a Christian, we'd love to help you do that.
If this morning you're subject to the invitation of God, there's room right here. Why don't you come while we stand and sing? Walk with the Lord.